Ain't no timeouts in the podcast. Ain't no timeouts. Here we go, fellas. It's time for Pop Culture Pastor Podcast. Hey, what up? This is Zach Guilford from Midnight Mass, and you're listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Pop Culture Pastor. Pop Culture Pastor. What noise? What? No- <laughs> are we are we coming up with catchphrases? Is that what we're doing? Or evidently, I don't know. I mean, I think noise is taken. <laughs> um, come up with our own yeah, catchphrases. Um, Jake Peralta is a hero of mine. So I mean, that, obviously, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's and 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 have we thought sufficiently about today's main topic? Of what movies we think would be could be remade remade into good streaming series? Yes. Oh, I, I got a list. Yeah, and and let's go to our guest, uh, Justin Johns here. Justin John, hey, how are we doing tonight, guys? It's good to be here. Yeah, good to be here. Also, um, uh, has been a youth pastor in the past. Yes. Yes. Not currently. Not currently. So, if you would like to send any youth pastor jobs to Justin John. You could send us a message at Pop Culture Pastor at Twitter. I'm right and, here. Yeah. Hook up a boy. Not All scared. Right here. The youth pastor jobs. <laughs> All the jobs. Every ounce. Uh, currently working in um, uh, physical rehabilitation. Yes, sir. Say, uh, I'm a pretty good uh, physical therapy office assistant. I do hard work. I work with home health and insurance and all the things I never thought I'd touch. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Good, 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 good. Um, Okay, this is pop culture pastor. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty simple. We're the main subject that we're going to get to later is uh, something we already mentioned. We're going to talk about what movies we think could be remade into awesome streaming series. Yes, um, they have to be standalone movies. Um, not, not that they couldn't have sequels, but it works better if they're standalone movies. So, like, you can't come in here and be like. Uh, Harry Potter and the the pop culture stone, you know, like, <laughs> like no, the they already made stone. a series of movies on that and another series in progress. So, like, making a streaming series, like, of course that would work. It would and clearly no, no Marvel working. movies. <laughs> yeah, like Cody came in here before you got here, Justin. He was like, oh, any superhero movie? Like, no, yeah, it really could though. <laughs> yeah, but they do that already. Well, they, they make yeah. they make literal. MCU TV shows. Well, I'm just saying graphic novels. Movies are usually based off the novels. It's not the heart of the question. It's not the heart of the question. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Don't do this. No, Stay in a- your lane, Cody. <laughs> not here. Not now. I'm just saying that literally it could be an awesome series as well. Okay. But don't ever bring it up again. <laughs> There's no timeouts in podcasting. Um, okay, we start off with news. We're just gonna we're just gonna rapid fire some some pop culture news, the news of the week. This is episode number three. Thank you all. Little Thanks. shout out to everyone listening. Thank you all to listening. Oh yeah, we're we're growing in popularity. It's kind of weird. It's really it's awesome. weird. Zach Guilford from Midnight Mass uh, wow. recorded a, a a little liner where he lied about us being his favorite podcast. That but, was you know, nice. Yeah. Or it could be just like, you know, precursor. Like he knows it's going to be and it, and it will be. Yeah. Oh, it's a potential. He offered to do an interview and like, I'm going to stalk him and badger him. Well, okay. If you're the Hollywood police department or wherever you know, <laughs> yeah. Zach Guilford lives, I'm not literally 
Did calm not, down. Yeah. Calm down. <laughs> it's going to be okay. <laughs> I'm not literally going to stalk you, but <clears throat> as far as you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, let's get to some news uh, here on Pop Culture Pastor. Buzz Lightyear trailer came out this uh, this week, and um, what, do you, what are you guys' thoughts about that? The, the trailer comes out, Pixar movie? I think it sounds fantastic. I personally am a sucker for prequels and finding out origin stories. And not only does the animation look better on Lightyear, like it looks a little cleaner, a little more edgy. Um, the well, storyline looks exciting. So he's a real dude. Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. So like what you're getting here is like kind of a weird meta, like, Oh, here's the real buzz Lightyear base. That's the toy is based on. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is kind of so interesting like the figure that the figurine is made after is yeah. what we're going for here. Like, Will they have, like, if this movie doesn't end with him holding a toy of himself with <laughs> Tim Allen's voice, though, they missed a real opportunity. Is uh, Tim Allen too hot to touch now? Um, Is he too Republican? <laughs> no. I. <laughs> Pixar and Disney are still about that money. Um, <laughs> but they went from they went from conservative honk Tim Allen to liberal honk Chris Evans. <laughs> they right. did. Like they went like from one end of the spectrum to the other. I, I kind of wondered like, is that the closest to Tim Allen? Like voice wise that we get. Oh no. That's an interesting thought. No, I don't think so. They could have gotten closer, but they like, you know, well, with, with the you're name. not turning down Chris Evans. Oh, well, I'm no, saying with I, a name though. Um, I, you know, I feel like there'd be a closer, Tim Allen voice out there. What about uh, the dude that played Ron Swanson? Oh, because um, Tim Allen's got a deep voice. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, Nick Offerman. Just we, just, we just got copyright checked because yeah, of that. Nick Offerman. <laughs> Someone's making that home improvement money still. <laughs> yes. What's somewhere? What's, probably what's the not name Tim of the Allen. guy. Uh, oh, off of uh, Emperor's New Groove that does Kronk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, not, not. Okay, so David Spade was in that movie. Yeah, right? David Spade was but, the voice of the Emperor. Cusco, uh, um, the, the guy that was uh, Brock Sampson in uh, Venture Brothers. <laughs> you gonna make? Is his name Cusco? Uh, his or, name's Kronk. Yeah, his the name's Kronk. Emperor's. And now we're looking it up. Kronk with a K? He dated yeah. uh, Elaine on Seinfeld. Yes. Um, oh, Patrick Warburton. Yeah. 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 That was the slowest Google ever, by the way. I'm, I'm sitting <laughs> here pecking in the, on the type. I am not a typer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay. Patrick Warburton uh, was the voice of Kronk. You know what? It could have worked. Yeah, he's got some Tim Allen. He um, Lightyear. That's an expensive here, voice actor, though. Here, okay, but look at this. I'm looking at his <laughs> what he's known for voicing. He's a voice actor known for voicing Brock Sampson and the Venture Brothers. That's a great show, by the way. You nailed Buzz it. Lightyear in Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. Oh, they, did. they knew are, it. Are you serious? I didn't you even nailed know it. That. You guys nailed it. Way to go, us. <laughs> Uh, Air five. Joe Swanson and Family Guy, Kronk and Empire Emperor's Holy New Groove, cow. and Sheriff Bronson Stone in Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you guys were all over that. We were. Um, so yeah, that would he would work, I think. But you're not selling more tickets with Patrick Warburton. You're no, not. You are with Chris Evans. The name says it all right there. What 
seriously though, how how crazy is that to think about? That there are people out there that will go see that this movie with no interest probably in Buzz Lightyear just because Chris Evans is voicing it. Like, um, is it weird to think that there's people out there like that that are such Chris Evans fans? There's they're Chris Evans stands as the kids would say. Yeah, I mean, go back to Rango. People went and watched that just because Johnny Depp voiced Rango. Oh, yeah, I forgot so. about that. I really didn't like that movie very much. Other cartoons. Let's let's say Buzz Lightyear is is not Pixar. It's just a regular cartoon, and it's not a. What other cartoons out there were just a gimmick voice actor hire? Rango's got to be up there. Rango's oh, yeah. definitely there. Because was that good? I feel um, like that wasn't good. So, like, the best part was the narrator was Timothy Oliphant. That was the best part. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, he's Yeah, he's got a nice voice. He does. What, what about the Woody Allen bug movie? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Was Okay, so there was Bugs Life and Ants. Mm-hmm. Right. They both came out at the same time, and one of them's the Woody Allen movie. This is sad. I don't know which one is which. <laughs> and uh, they were trying to beat the other one to the punch. Uh, uh, the uh, a B movie. The oh, B, where Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yeah, Seinfeld. was the B, and yeah. that was like the whole gimmick was that the B was like basically Jerry Seinfeld. Pa- Patrick Walburton was, was the boyfriend in that movie. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. So, well, you know, Seinfeld's gonna hook up a bro. Oh man. yeah, like, yeah. Because they, you know, he was hands he down was putty. I'm like, I'm like obsessed with him now. I'm like, all right, let's find everything he's ever been. <laughs> Patrick let's Warburton. find everything he's ever been. Yeah. So yeah, Buzz Lightyear. I'm down. I'm excited. I, for I'm gonna it. see that. Pixar's so good. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, anything they put out, I'm like, okay, um, kids, I know my kids will want to go see it. What yeah. was the new, what was the most recent one? Was that the Luca one or was it soul? I think Luca. I, I think Luca. Luke, did Pixar did Luca. Yeah. And Luca wasn't bad. Not bad. It was great. I, I really like the storyline. Like it made me want to piece the story together as it was happening. You know, I still have like a few, like, theories about that movie that I don't know are, are actual truths about the movie, but just what I think. <laughs> I like it. Happened. I'm looking it up um, just to make sure it's Pixar. Like, uh, you know how uh, you, you saw it, right? I did not. Oh, okay. Like, I know it. Okay. And I've had, like, a ton of kids talk to me about I, it. I always thought that, like, when he was saying, Silencio Bruno! It like, is. he was, like, he was, yeah. it was, like, his inner self, but at the same time, it was also, like, his father telling him he couldn't do things. Yeah. And I was like, what if his father's name was Bruno? But Luke is just like, okay, uh, yeah, I'll say Bruno. <laughs> and, the, and the other kid's like, it's my dad. But Luca's like, yeah, okay, Bruno's his name. I wouldn't put it past Pixar. Pixar yeah, that kind of ah, feels man. that kind of feels right. Um, and I cried during Luca, man. I uh, cried. Okay, so Pixar has been known to make me cry. Look, the first eight minutes of Up. Up are the best romantic movie story ever oh. put, ever put to film. I so heartbreaking. It is like it, all these crappy Hallmark Christmas romance movies. And it's like, you don't need that. Just go watch the first eight minutes up end of toy story three. When they're on the conveyor belt, I'm yep. like, Oh, you got me in the fields again. Yeah. It's terrible. I feel like that's what made the fourth one. So brutal is <laughs> like, you pushed us to the edge in the third. Yeah. How, how uh, dare you? <laughs> um, Where do you get off? <laughs> let's move on to our next uh, news item as we get into uh, a little bit of uh, a little. Uh, th- okay. This is weird. This is a, um, a deeper subject. Oh, so uh, recently, and I saw this, I saw this uh, 
come out a little ba- little while back, but I wanted to talk about it because it's recently been talked about again. Uh, he's been in and out of the news kind of, but there's this guy uh, named Ed Brubaker who is a writer back in the day for Marvel comic books. And he's actually the guy that created the winter soldier. So he created the winter soldier and he did this interview back in for variety. Um, it's back in March, I think, but it just kind of recently exploded. Um, and they asked him, are you going to watch the Falcon and winter soldier series? And he said he had mixed feelings about the show and his role as a character creator. And he said this quote, everyone at Marvel studios that I've ever met all the way up to Kevin Feige have been nothing but kind to me. But at the same time, for the most part, all Steve Epting, who I believe was the, the artist that he worked with all Steve Epting and I have gotten for creating the winter soldier and his storyline is a thanks here or there. And over the years, that's become harder and harder to live with. He explained in his newsletter. So, and this is not the, so this is not an isolated incident now. No, you, you're, you're hearing other writers, other content creators for Marvel. And so like they, this is a lesson that Marvel show learned a long time ago from DC. Yeah. I, here, here's the part that's tough. The part that's tough is when they went like, so when he created the winter soldier, like, look, okay, let's start with the whole infinity saga. Okay. This story was, was, you know, concocted in the Mm nineties. That's when the infinity gauntlet kind of story comes out. I think it's early nineties. And, um, at that time, Marvel comics is struggling, man. Like, and it just gets worse and worse as you go into the nineties where finally they Marvel declares bankruptcy at one point. Wow. That's why Sony owned Spider-Man and um, Fox owned the X-Men because they Mm -hmm. sold, they started selling off properties. I was not aware of that. And so working for Marvel comic books at that time, like I think the winter soldiers probably created in the early aughts, Mm -hmm. but excuse me, still very much struggling. And so on one end, like I know that they probably signed these contracts that said, Hey, Everything you create is IP of Marvel Comics, which uh, intellectual property. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is all about intellectual property. Who gets credit for the intellectual property? Who gets this? But then, like, now they're telling these stories that are, like, listen, you would think people who aren't familiar with comics would probably just think, oh, these stories, they just came up with these stories and made these movies in the last 10 years. No, uh-uh. False. All of these stories are probably at least 25 years older. Some of them older. Some of And the stories they're borrowing from now, they're updating them. They're tweaking yeah. them here and there. But for the most part, these stories are stories created. They are literally the intellectual creations, the property of these dudes who worked with Marvel Comics 20, 30 years ago. And, and, and so like, on one hand, I can say, like, man, you signed contracts. But then on the other hand, like, Marvel, would you even be able to make these movies now if it wasn't for these dudes who kept you afloat back in the 90s? And now you're making billions of dollars. I was going to say, literally, the box office sales alone, you're not even getting to merchandising. Right. Yeah. They're making buku bucks. How hard is it to cut, like, these guys? Oh, Here's a million dollar check. Right, right. Like now they're playing with so much money. My feeling is like, dude, just pay them. Give, them, give them some money. Cause I don't think, here's the thing is this, this interview isn't all that bad. 
with Brew Baker. I mean, he's not like taking them to task. So like clearly this dude's not trying to get you for he's not trying to gouge you. Yeah. But man, throw throw the dude five hundred half a mil. Um, but literally this isn't uncommon within the comic book world. The co-creator of Batman wasn't even acknowledged for like 70 years. Uh, and then finally they're like, Oh, there was this guy named Bill Finger and he helped make Batman. Yeah. And like his family, oh, by the way, like did not Sign see a penny out. until like after this guy's dead. And this was the first guy to draw his parents being murdered. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm just kidding. I don't know that, but I mean, literally the, this is a common theme throughout like the creative process of comic books turning into movies. Like these people who come up with the stories come up with the concepts of the characters aren't getting their, their dues. And so I, I feel for this guy and especially since Marvel's owned by Disney and Disney has all the monies. Um, yeah. Pay well, the man. Okay. Oh, and so so this is what makes it more complicated because I think Kevin Feige has said some things that would make lead you to believe that Ben like they're like he's he'd be like, yeah, pay him. Give him what they give him what they deserve. But this isn't his money, it's Disney. And Disney does not have a great track record with its people. Oh no. Um the uh Lion Sleeps Tonight, that song. They got in a huge uh, lawsuit with the family that like originally wrote it in South Africa. A Wimowa? Yeah. A Mubi? <laughs> yeah. A Mubi? And they like took them to town and like gave them a small sum. Wow. And it ended like real quick. And the family was like very devastated with. Once they learned, like, oh, they're still using this on Broadway, and they're still making this movie and putting this song out and stealing our father's legacy. So Disney's like the evil corporation now. It's so weird to think about because, like, when we when I was a kid, Disney was like for kids, man, and it was like it was. It's hard to explain, but they have they they would have uh, like every Sunday night would be Disney the Disney movie on regular TV. You know, we didn't yeah. have cable back then. It was just um, ABC free would do networks. It. Yeah. yeah, and so I remember watching the Disney movie, whatever it happened to be, each Lion week. King, Aladdin. Disney yeah. just enjoyed a place in pop culture that was so different, and now they're like the big evil. Well, they're 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 president. Uh, President, what, what's the dude's name in the Lego movie? Will Will Ferrell? Oh, business. Oh. President Business. Yeah, Disney is literally President Business yeah. from the Lego movie now. Um, yeah, if you watch on Netflix, there's a documentary called "The Lion Sleeps Tonight" about wow. that song wow. and about Disney not, not paying. <laughs> I, I will say this: as a person who was not a comic book head, you know, growing up, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of comic books. I didn't uh, study, you know, like the Marvel universe or anything. But as a fan who watches all the movies and, you know, how Disney Plus and, you know, Star Wars and Marvel and everything are just absolutely killing it right now with the series and everything. Amazing. It's unbelievable. And on top of that, I really didn't see the Winter Soldier being this heavily used, you know, through the movies yeah. and then through like a series. So I think there's a valid point with yeah. this guy. Like, so. Yeah, so there's the, there's an argument there that well, Winter Soldier's not the focal point, 
but you literally named a movie after him. So Captain America Winter Soldier and probably one of their best movies. Yeah. Like that's agreed pretty much agreed across a uh, fandom that Captain America Winter Soldier is probably a top five, maybe even top three MCU movie. And so, and he was huge factor in that movie. And then you went, went ahead and put him in a, a series with his known name in it. So I feel like, and he's got to be, you know, he's in their future plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People like that actor. They like that character. I was going to say, I think Sebastian Stan has been in all uh, the phases for yeah, the Marvel yeah. universe. He's clearly going to be in that next Captain America movie with Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's rumors he's going to be in this Thunderbolts movie. That he's going to be oh, a member yeah. of the Thunderbolts, which, you know, we don't have time to go through that. But <laughs> now, clearly, Winter Soldier is still going to be around. Now, what point was he? Oh, you know, in Wakanda, they talked about him being a white well, wolf. I, I don't I mean, is there any? We don't really know that yet. That's a creation completely of the movies. Okay. As far as I know, I don't I don't yeah, think that, that there's any enough. comic book equivalent to that. So, I mean, literally in the comics, he was Bucky. From the World War II, but Bucky died in World War II. And then right. they like Brubaker, this was his idea, man. They just brought him back as this Russian assassin. As so, one does. Yeah, you know, naturally. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think to end up that topic, I think they really need to probably Marvel's gonna have to figure this out sooner or later. It's not as much of a problem with DC, but Marvel's really got to figure it out to be just like, hey, man, throw these, throw these creators, these writers, and these illustrators half a mil. I bet most of them would be like thrilled with that. Yeah. Some of them might be like, man, you're making billions. You know, some people are locked on money, but mm-hmm. I mean, half a million dollars for most people is even comic book people, I'm sure, is pretty life changing. Yeah. Invite them to the premieres. Yeah. Have their name in the credits. Give give them all the swag. Yes. Every every piece of so uh it wasn't Brew Baker, but it was another one who'd created a character. Man, they just sent him all and the dude was pretty happy, but he said I could have it would have been nice to get more money, but he had all the swag. Be legit. Yeah. Um They can send me some swag and I would take <laughs> back any comments I just said. Is it not surprising how satisfied you can be with so little? <laughs> yeah. You're like, what do these guys need, man? Send me like a t-shirt. <laughs> um, let's move on to the situation in uh, New Mexico with the, the film Rust. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. Here a couple weeks ago, and this is still all over the news, a couple weeks ago, a uh, cinematographer was shot and killed on the set, and the director was uh, seriously hurt, I think. Um, when Alec Baldwin in, in the middle of a, a, I I assume they were filming. Um, I, I think it was actually rehearsal. It was rehearsal. They might've been trying to get like cameras and things in place. Yeah. And, and so these people were tragically shot and, um, of course, you know, now it's, Everything that happens ends up sometimes it, it eventually ends up in the political sphere, which I just hate. I just hate like because Alec Baldwin has been so outspoken in politics, political things like, you know, you got conservative people jumping all over him. Like, like clearly this is not his fault. And, and in fact, just this article out today at the, they were recording this, the CNN I guess there was some calls to say it was the assistant director's fault. They're still trying to figure out 
where the blame lies. So today on CNN, the day we're recording this, uh, David Hall's an assistant director on the set of the film Rust. He, I guess he was getting some flack, um, but an attorney representing him today said it was not his responsibility to confirm whether the gun handed to Alec Baldwin was loaded, despite Hall's previously acknowledging to investigators that he should have checked all the rounds. So he said that in an interview with the investigators, because like everyone on that set probably thought that though. It was like, I could have checked him. Yeah. Cause they've like, they're, they're mourning, they're grieving someone that was close to them. And, but the attorney said, yeah, it's not really asking an assistant director um, to check a firearm would be like telling him to check the camera angle or sound or lighting. They're just not his responsibility. Yeah. That's, that's a legit statement. I mean, who thought there was a live round in a prop gun? Well, that okay. So there seems to be some question about why there were live rounds there at all. Um, apparently, there was there was target practice happening during off hours. I, I mean, I had heard that there was kind of like yeah. some uh, pretty cool, legit firearms that they were, you know, messing with, and people were shooting in the vicinity. You know, like within the filming area. You know probably away from there, but I did hear that there was some target practice. Like I read yeah. some articles and, um, the person that was their weapons expert, um, the armorer. Yes. Yeah. Was there you go. That's a cool the, name. the daughter of like a, a marksman, like a sharpshooter that goes to competitions and stuff. And so, um, I mean, I'm not surprised there was target shooting on, on set, but at the same time, I'm surprised there's target shooting on yeah, set. Yeah. Um, and uh, reading what James Gunn said, he uh, identified like three different areas that literally, if they would have followed typical protocols, nothing would have happened like this, yeah. such as having target shooting on set. So James Gunn's been talking a lot about this on Twitter. Um, he's been an interesting follow in, in all of he this. He has. And he's had a lot of... Um, a lot of insight to share for those of us who are like, man, we don't know what goes on in movie sets. Um, but here's, so it, it appears the direction this is heading is it's going to land on the armor. Uh, like for, yeah. for, for this, the mistake is going to the legality of it. It seems like it's heading that direction that it's going to land on her. So wouldn't you say that in the sense of like, kind of, as you were talking about, like, why would, you know, a producer or a cinematographer or whoever else on stage, why, you know, why would they be checking it? Like, yeah. Would not the armor Here, be the one? Here's what I'd like to check to the rounds. Why? Why do we even have to have real guns? Like, yeah, here's what I don't understand. We've got CGI now where we can deep fake dudes up on the screen. Like I saw Luke Skywalker walk into the Mandalorian from 30 years ago. That was one of the yeah. best moments ever. <laughs> and like, I just don't understand with all the technology we have. Why, why do we even have is, is there that much as, as a viewer, I'm willing to sacrifice that realism that I might not even notice anyways. So people don't die filming a stupid movie. Um, and I mean, literally like, there's such a small niche in the market that's going to be like, that's not a real gun or that's not this style of gun that was used during well, this time period. I mean, you're, you're, 
obsessing over minutiae that could easily be CGI'd in, have like a laser gun uh, that they use in like laser tag, have them hold that and call it good or a nerf gun. I'm cool with that. I mean, the crazy thing is, is like, it is, is these, there's these gun groups out in Hollywood we're like, oh no, oh no, you need it. It's very, uh, very uneducated for you to say that you, they don't need real guns. But like, come on, you're protecting your livelihood. I mean, we understand that. But at, at what point? I mean, it's make believe. It's pretend. I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand the concept of it. Like, like it makes sense to me that John Wayne was was out there shooting real guns because it was you know nineteen you know fifty whatever. And it was John, John freaking Wayne, you know, like, yeah, it it doesn't make any sense to me that in 2021, Alec Baldwin had a real gun in his hand with real ammunition on the set of a stinking movie. Um, I mean, just think about the differences between that time period, because like Charlton Heston in the movie Ben Hur, like like, so many animals died in the making of that movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if an animal suffered any emotional distress in the movie now, they would sh- stop filming immediately and lawsuits would be flying. Yeah. Um, but we haven't adapted our gun policy since then. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really weird to me. It's really weird. It's one of those things. Um, granted, I'm not around that life, but I love movies. I love, yeah. Movies have been my favorite thing. Since as long as I can remember when I was a kid, there's something magical about movies. And I guess I just don't need that realism. I'm not one of those brains like you, like you said, you know, the per like I'm perfectly capable of enjoying the movie Armageddon, even though they're showing you shots from around the world where that's sunny and it's like around the world, but it's sunny everywhere. Like I noticed <laughs> like it. It's night. I noticed that it was clearly not, that it was clearly a mistake, but I don't really care because I'm not there. I'm not, I'm not watching Michael Bay movies for total accuracy. What? (laughs) Yeah. Hold up. Amazingly enough. Right. (laughs) And, and independence day, you know, there's a lot of movies that you're like, yeah, that wouldn't happen. Like, well, of course it wouldn't happen. It's a movie. And I don't need, I don't need Alec Baldwin filming in a old Western to be handling an actual you know, right. Uh, you know, a revolver from 1865. Like it just seems stupid. It's, it's a tragic story. And it's, it's just kind of a, one of those things where you're like, Alec Baldwin shot it. A cinematographer died. You're just like, Oh, come on. Like, why, why does this have to happen? Why? Yeah. It, it, it's just a tragic thing. It, yeah. it, it stinks. And it it's not happened. the first time this has happened. And uh, like with deaths on set because of weapon use that, should be CGI. Yeah. Uh, I'll well, go back to Brandon Lee. And the, the discussion and James Gunn was right about this. He said something to this effect on Twitter, Twitter like a week ago where he said, and now we can't even have this discussion. We should be having because it's going political and it's turning into this argument. That's pointless. And anyways, it's tragic. Yeah. It's a terrible situation. Um, but there you go. I'm, I'm all in favor of like, don't ever use any, there should be never be live rounds on a movie set again. If you you insist on using real guns, there should never, ever be live ammunition on a set ever again. Period. This should should clearly define that there needs to be a separation. 
Um, let's move on to uh, early reviews of the Eternals. Mm. Um, the Eternals, this is a headline from insider.com. The, inter- the Eternals is the latest movie with LGBTQ representation to be, quote, review bombed. Here's what's going on. Review bombed. The Eternals has received negative reviews on IMDb, despite it not being available to the public. This tactic called review bombing has been used by fans who dislike aspects of a movie or TV show. In a now deleted tweet, Eternal star Kumail Nanjiani said, looks like we're upsetting the right people. Mm. Um, you know, we got into this in our first episode talking about woke culture and pop culture. Yeah. I'm not a fan of how, okay, so let's be real. The Eternals has the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score as of now of any MCU movie, period. That's a real thing. The Rotten Tomatoes score is made up of real critics who've seen the movie and clearly are not review bombing. Yeah. And none of this was an issue before that happened. Like the movie was available to critics. They watched it. A lot of them didn't like it. Um, for a lot of reasons, right? Um, that it just doesn't work, that it's too much in a movie, like there's too much information. It's, it's you know, it's like their Chloe Zhao uh, maybe tried to make a movie that just doesn't sit right in the MCU and in the superhero movie world, right? Which, yeah. Maybe if this movie came out when uh, Thor 1 and Thor 2 came out, mm-hmm. maybe it works. But, um, like, the whole artsy premise, um, that's not the direction the MCU's in right now. Yeah. Yeah. All of that aside, none of this was a headline until those reviews started coming out. And everyone was like, oh, it's a Marvel movie that not everyone likes. That's not, that's unheard of, usually. And then this became the headline. These review bombs. Now, let me get this. Let's be real clear what this is. They're talking about like the public reviews on IMDb. Uh, does anyone even look at those? No. Uh, like the only reason. <laughs> I haven't searched that in a very long time. The only reason I use IMDb is to see like what other things has this actor or actress been in. But now it pops up on like the Google page. Like yeah. Yeah, as soon as you the, search it. The primary reason is, yeah, just seeing who's in a movie and then what else they do. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it has the public, the movie going public score. Um, but it also has a critic score. But it's right next to the right. critic score. And and it's not unheard of for those to be pretty far apart sometimes. Usually, oh, yeah. usually it's in the sense of the critic score is low oh. and the movie going people liked it because, you know, Armageddon. Um, right. I was going because to say some, some of us just like movies. Any DC movie. Well. I'm agreeing with the critics on that one, but yeah, I'm saying that like <laughs> any DC movie is a good example of that because yes. like the critic yes. scores low, right? The fan scores high, and then the the public outcry is still bad. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you like what you like. I mean, like if you're a fan, you're a fan. I mean, here, yeah, nothing's going to change that. Despite yeah, here's where I'm going with this, and this was you know like look. I'm someone's going to label me like super Republican here. And that's not what I'm trying to say at all, because I'm all for representation. I said this in week one, when we had the woke culture in pop culture discussion, I want my movies. I am totally fine with my movies looking like the world I see. Okay. But make it look like the world I see. Don't pander. 
the line between representation and pandering is, is if you make a movie with LGBT characters in it and it starts getting bad reviews, people don't like the movie, but then you start being like, Oh, it's just getting review bomb. Like you're sticking up and trying to defend it in all these ways. It's like, listen, let the movie stand. Like if, if critics don't like it, it's not because they're all anti LGBT Q. Um, they're probably most of them are pro. I was going to say they wouldn't be reviewing many movies. Yeah. It's the same concept I had with like, you know, the, the problem when they put these characters uh, and they're pandering and not going for representation. So we use Ray as an example in star Wars. She has no flaws because, None. because to give her a flaw would be to invite yourself to, um, the these these voices that are like how dare you because she's a woman like no because she's human right like humans have flaws that's that's universal and 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 it's so for some reason right now all we can do is put characters who are white males with flaws on the screen everyone else can't be flawed all of a sudden or it's like an uproar yeah but that's not real life shocking i know <laughs> and, and 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 this all these headlines about this review bombing it's like who cares about these people? Are there are there dinks out there, you know, hitting thumbs down and leaving stupid reviews when the movie's not out yet? Yeah, of course there are, but uh, that's not that's not what's happening with the the Rotten Tomato score with critics not liking the movie. And and by the way, we're going to review this for yes, our next we podcast. We're going to go see it. We'll review it and we'll review it fairly. Which, by the way. I will say my favorite version of kind of review bombing, it's not really review bombing, but it's like related, mm-hmm. um, is like when they like upvote uh, artists on like American Idol that shouldn't be getting votes. <laughs> I love when they do that. And also one time uh, they sent Pitbull to Anchorage, Alaska. Cause it, there was like this contest to like bring him to your city. And like Miami was leading and then all of a sudden, this troll group gets a hold of voting, and they vote him to Anchorage, Alaska. Um, side note, William Hung is on Cameo. Oh, my goodness. So if you wanted William Hung, if you wanted to send a William Hung video where he sings She Bang by Ricky Martin, <laughs> you could totally do that. I think it's like 20 bucks, like something Oh, super cheap. my Lanta. I, I might like have to do that. And it's so cheap, easy on the iPhone. Accessible. You can just like. So you accessible. Just, you, you use Apple Pay. Like, oh man, I was through to Zach Guilford. That all happened in like inside an hour. Yeah. Um, literally, like if I could get him singing that and then get Ryan from the office and uh, the guy that plays Champ uh, <laughs> in Anchorman because he was in the office. That's David Keckner. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> if I could get David. <laughs> then, like, I can recreate one of my favorite office moments, but have some context with it. She bangs. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so yeah, the Eternals uh, is kind of a mess. The whole discussion around the Eternals right now is kind of a mess. I'm just looking forward to seeing the movie. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the movie, Same. and 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 I feel like it doesn't matter to me. I'll be able to watch it as a Marvel superhero movie and. So it's we'll tell you next week. Currently sitting at fifty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. That's oh wow. Saying, but, but to be honest with you, I'm I'm like Dave. I I'm in for the magic of the movies. Like if they ever closed the theater, I would just be bummed. That's I would the, be completely bummed. First of all, the magic of the movies—the lamest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> um, 
Um, you don't. You really don't feel that way. <laughs> I, no, I do. But you said it, and it just sounded so commercial. Um, oh, hey, okay. Open for. I you wish know. I had the Kawhi laugh track right now. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, we need some. We need uh, the Kawhi laugh track for reals. Okay, uh, next piece of uh, news, and we'll stay with Marvel. Um, one more piece of Marvel news. Marvel is rumored to have cast Jim Carrey as the villainous Modoc for several Disney Plus shows, including the She-Hulk series that's upcoming, uh, starring the uh, lady from Orphan Black. Wow. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had not heard this yet. Um, I knew that he was rumored to be a villain in the MCU. Tatiana Maslany is the actress's name, by the way. Thank you. Uh, who's starring in She-Hulk. Also, Jamila Jamil uh, from The Good Place. Yes. Is uh, starring as a villain in the She-Hulk movie. And Modoc apparently in it. Now, Modoc this is like, this was the weirdest news of the week. Weirdest pop culture news of the week. Modoc is like a giant head with like little arms and legs. Kind of like a square head. <laughs> he's, like, he's like a Tyrannosaurus Rex guy head. Nice. It's it's he's a very strange character. Big head, little arms. He's so strange. They made like a comedic show on Hulu here recently. Yeah, I a Modoc show where oh. Patton Oswalt. Yeah, was the voice of Modoc. Now that's that's I almost can see Jim Carrey more than I can see. Yeah, so obviously in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's not going to be played for laughs, at least not a whole lot, I would think. Although with Jim Carrey, you'd think they would have to a little bit. But he's going to be a bad dude. Like, Modoc in the comics is yeah is is, is not good news. Um, can we get a Howard the Duck film back? <sighs> I mean, it seems like they're at least... Oh goodness! They're, they're at least setting up, <laughs> they're at least setting up a Marvel Plus series or a Disney Plus series for that, right? I mean, he's been in enough things now. I would hope he just kind of shows up occasionally. And and who's his voice? Seth Green. I think so. Been doing the voice. Of I mean, they're setting it up. Wow, they'll set it up. <laughs> Although, if they're doing it like they should, and this is terrible. Because I'm, because I'm a pastor. I can't believe I'm about to say this. But if they're doing it as they should, it really shouldn't be on Disney. Yeah. Because well, it should true. be like a rated R type show, but MCU doesn't really into that. Uh, but they're going to do it with Deadpool. They're going to have to do it with Deadpool. Oh, my land. Yeah. That, yeah. That Justin's be. beside himself. This is where this is where the, the track. This is where the pastor part it's of us comes through. Because on every other podcast about Marvel stuff, Everybody was like, oh, that sounds so awesome. I can't wait for that. And um, Justin's like, dude, I can't handle this. So, Rated R? Um, mature? In for mature? Maybe they have Howard the Duck crossover with uh, Deadpool. Maybe. Because, I mean, he brings in the most random characters, but that was also because they didn't own the rights to some of those. I do want to say, as always... With any R-rated or M for mature rated material, the spirit will convict. It will. I'm not going to tell you what to watch. It's not my job. I'm just a pastor. The Holy Spirit is the one who will tell you if you should or shouldn't be watching something. And it's probably different for folks. Some people can watch it and not be corrupted. Some people, you know, probably need to stick to, you know, uh, the PJ masks. <laughs> Some people can't handle <laughs> The, you know, the hard stuff. Um, I was going to say after Logan, I didn't want to go out and cause a bunch of like earthquakes or 
claw up a bunch of people. Yeah. So some Christians are into craft beers. Uh, some Christians yeah. are like, you shouldn't ever drink. It, it, it's such a diverse group, mm-hmm. but yet we are labeled as like this oddly specific group. Yeah. Yeah. The, Bad well, stereotyping people. Listen, every time someone out in the Twitter verse mentions evangel, e- e- evangelistical people, evangelists, evangelical, evangelicals. There we go. I, I was going to okay. hit it eventually. <laughs> like third, I just, third time's a charm. I just cringe because you know that like, this isn't going to be fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. We're actually quite diverse. And yeah, are there, is there a small chunk of us that, you know, really love the NRA and, and want to shoot a giraffe and love think Donald Trump is like sent by Jesus. Sure. Those people are out there. I mean, they're nuts, but they're out there. It's true. Um, and this is coming from someone who is, I'm a moderate, I'm a conservative leaning moderate. Probably mm-hmm. I have probably more conservative values and I do liberal values. Um, but I can tell you, yeah, those people are out there, but it's not them. You go on Twitter and you'd think that that's all Christians are in middle America. And it's just not true. Yeah. It's simply not the case. We live in the most, we've said this before in our radio show, Cody, we live in the most, one of the most conservative States in the United States in one of the most conservative areas of that state Yeah, of a red state. And I probably, I, I would bet there's less than 10% in people in my church, which is one of the most conservative in our town that are like full on Q and honors less than 10%. Mm-hmm. So don't believe what you read on Twitter about like all middle America Christians being, you know, Q and honors, Donald Trumpers. Like a lot of them did vote for Donald Trump, but that's because you only get two choices. Hey, what do you want? I, right I, in Dan Marino. <laughs> yeah. That's the correct answer. Speaking of Dan Marino, Ace Ventura, yes, back to Jim Carrey, exactly. Uh, could, could we say that, like, with his, uh, you know, with his repertoire, his experience in playing, you know, certain villains, certain places, uh, there's like zero concern of the excellence that will be brought to even like evilish humor comedy. I mean, his, well, his striking way of doing such things. So here, let me read you the part of this article here. According to the leaker, the person who leaked this information, how dare they Jim Carrey has already been cast as Modoc and could appear as early as the series. She Hulk. The series has been described as a sitcom likely based on Jennifer Walters. That's she Hulk's alter ego, more humorous runs in the comics as such Carrey arriving as a notoriously hard to adapt villain could make a good fit. The leaker also said Modoc could appear in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, though that seems less certain. So there you go. Um it, it's it's apparently She-Hulk's gonna be kind of on the funny side. If it was on the serious side, I wouldn't have any doubts about Jim Carrey. Um Eternal Sunshine, the Spotless Mind. He was phenomenal. Yeah. Well He we, was phenomenal. Oh no, I wasn't gonna argue with you. Well, good. Because I, mean, I was going to say he was phenomenal. I mean, the movie was a little pretentious, but okay. Um, if that's your bag. It it has uh, three MCU people in it, or three Marvel people in it. Well, what does that matter? I'm just saying that that movie launched I mean, the Marvel remains careers. of the day could have three people from the MCU <laughs> movies in it, too. I'm still not going to watch it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, I mean, I mean, I don't care. You get, you guys saw the, the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie, right? 
No. <laughs> no. No. Okay. So, so Jim Carrey plays. Who do you think we are? <laughs> <laughs> I have children. Um, so do I. But maybe even you I, will. But Adam I Sandler know. loved it. I know so, that. Well, did so, he really? Yeah. See, Jim Carrey as Doctor Eggman was surprisingly evil and surprisingly comedic, all while being very self pretentious all at the same time, and it just really worked um i was going to say if you go back to my unsaved days me myself and irene yeah he cable he, guy he, cable guy also yeah he he can pull it off oh yeah well cable guy i think cable guy is brilliant it is brilliant it's a yes. weird movie and not a lot of people remember it but i thought cable guy was a brilliant movie um if, if modok does feature on she hulk he will not be the big bad uh, that will be Jamila Jamil's Titania. She'll be the main villain of the show. So uh, gotcha. Modoc will just be someone that appears. And there you go. It'll work. Yeah. Uh, there were also rumors that Peter Dinklage was set to play Modoc in Avengers Infinity War before it was revealed that he was playing Aitri. I was going to say he was not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was not Modoc in Infinity War. <laughs> and that did War. not happen. <laughs> Modoc in Infinity War would have been weird. Yeah, that would have been strange. Um, I do think the the way they could have it, it it makes sense that they're going to go funny with this. She Hulk is a serious character is problematic in my opinion. I mean, it just doesn't lend itself to being super serious. I mean, it's just weird. <laughs> it's just it's just a weird concept, um, and that's why they went funny with her in the comics because nobody really cared about She Hulk as a serious character. She was in the Fantastic Four for a little while. Did you guys know that? Yeah. I don't Worst I run on the Fantastic Four ever. <laughs> Bar none. <laughs> that was like mid to late 80s. I mean, oh gosh. I really wish those movies would have been better. The Thing went off to be a pro wrestler. Well, oh, okay. And She-Hulk joined the Fantastic Four. And it was weird. That's a smart move by The Thing. <laughs> Everybody was like, this is, this is weird. Why is she there? He's just in like underground wrestling with Macaulay Culkin randomly like <laughs> causing things to happen. Okay, um, let's get to our big topic, but let's take a break first. Um, we need a musical interlude. That's what we need um, from our guy, Matt. So we'll let Matt play a little musical interlude. We'll be right back. Okay, so we're back on the Pop Culture Podcast. Going into our main topic here, we're, we're nearly an hour in, um, so we're going to have another 20, 25-minute discussion here, probably. Okay. Um, maybe. Maybe it'll be quicker. I don't know. It could be longer. You don't know. The, the point, There's a lot of news. The point of the discussion um, tonight is going to be, we wanted to think of movies, one movie, preferably not a series, but one movie that could be made into a streaming series, um, an amazing streaming series. Now, to me, the easy ones are movies like The Dark Tower. Okay, yeah. That were these wide, sprawling epics in print. And when or they made the movie, yeah, crammed into one movie with wasting, completely wasting Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey, who were perfect for yes. their roles. Like, they were the best part about that movie, just them as those characters, and then th that movie was so disappointing. Um, but that movie should have been like a Netflix series 
Amazon. It doesn't even matter. HBO. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. But that would have been an amazing series, um, The Dark Tower. So something like that is what we're talking about. A movie that would have made a great series. Do do I need to go first? Do you want to you want to go first? Before we start, I okay. do want to say, like, if we were to remake a series of movies. No. I would say the Hunger Games, like the first book slash movie. But it's awesome. Okay, so forget that they made like the second, third, and fourth whatever movies. I don't even know how many they made. If they Those just if they just made the one, the first one, they should have made it into a series because literally it is like Bear Grylls meets Apocalypse Now in the book. And you don't get that at all in the movie. When we're a hundred years out from those, by the way, we're going to look back and wonder why we went through this weird teenage apocalyptic phase. Um, why every, uh, <laughs> yeah, like kids have to be the heroes to uprise. The and, Hunger Games, the Maze Runner. What was the other one? Uh, um, the one with the, the, the redheaded girl that's Marion Aaron Rogers. Aaron Rogers. Divergent. Yeah. Or uh, Divergent. Divergent. Yeah. 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 Oh, and they're Ripley. all terrible. Yeah. The Hunger Games is okay. It's fine. I like the Hunger um, Games. Literally, they could have made the first book yeah. into like they're, multiple movies or fine. a True. series. Jennifer Lawrence is fine. Well, that was weird. <laughs> I, that's not what I... Fine or... What do you, why'd you guys fine. look at me like that? That's not what I meant. <laughs> I mean, it came off like that, even though I knew that wasn't it. Yeah, I was joking around. Ah, um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, but yeah. So I mean, there's they literally made there's a, a lot of, of movies on those series of movies you're, that could be made into better. You're TV saying series. you wish the Hunger Games would have been longer and more drawn out, <laughs> as like to get more details. Yes. Okay. Um, maybe not in movie I, form. Look, series earlier, form. Earlier when we were having Lord of the Rings Lit would be perfect. Lit it is my time. This is my time. You're out of order. But earlier today, we were having a preliminary discussion, and he said Lord of the Rings, and I about threw something. Ooh. At him. I'm like, yeah, That's they only huge. made they've only made six movies that average like three hours and forty five minutes a movie. But yet, if you talk to the people that read the books, they're like, oh my goodness, they rushed it. Oh and it's my gosh! Like, did listen, you watch the director's cuts? I am a biggest nerd. There is Lord of the Rings are my favorite books ever. But if I have to hear one more person say, I can't believe Tom Bombadil wasn't in the movies. <laughs> like, yeah, because the Tom Bombadil section was stinking weird and had nothing to do with the story. Uh, they just have a mini series called The Shire. And it's just <laughs> going through it was every like, character. You know, Tolkien had a rough day one day and got, <laughs> you know, tripped over and hit his head on something. They gave him morphine rough and he wrote the, the whole Tom Bombadil <laughs> section. Oh my goodness. Rough, rough day in the trenches. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I yeah, he brought up Lord of the Rings. Yes. Like that ain't so it. Hunger Games, Lord of the Rings, Dark Tower. Like series that should Okay. Yes. Right. All right. Okay. I'm gonna start it for real. Yes. Are we ready start to start for, for real? real? Yes, please. Okay, my first selection is the um you know well, we should probably be giving information because not everyone listening is going to is going to know exactly what we're talking about here if well, i go, if i go into the 80s right oh yeah okay you're going way back oh of course man so the, i have the older something is the better the more ripe it is for uh you know the more ripe it is for <laughs> a, 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 a remake right? i i have some from like the 90s and early aughts i'm gonna go with the 1984 movie that sparked uh this is the reason for the pg-13 rating 
Oh. Red Dawn, starring <laughs> Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Grey, Charlie Sheen, C. Thomas Howell, a lot of, dude, like, uh, Jen, uh, uh, Leah Thompson, yeah, Leah a lot Thompson. of who's who's from the 80s in this movie. Yes. Um, in an alternate 1980s, the United States stands alone as communism grows stronger. Oh, man, I love this already. It's giving me goosebumps. When Soviet soldiers invade a small Colorado town, for, for what reason? I have no idea. It's not important. When Soviet soldiers invade a small Colorado town, brothers Jed and Matt Eckert, Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen, escape with friends to the forest. They don't look like brothers, but they've played brothers multiple times. That's right. While their father, Tom, Harry Dean Stanton, a prisoner of the invading army, the children decide to fight against the Soviets as the, as the country comes under increasing attack. They team up with Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Tanner, played by Powers Booth, uh, to take back their town. Directed by John Milius. Came out August 10th, 1984. I believe, because this movie spans a long time. It does. So they're in hiding and become like this guerrilla warfare unit called the Wolverines and seasons literally pass. So like summer, winter, fall. And, and I think the intrigue of it all would, would have made a great Netflix series. Um, fighting against the commies. You yeah, definitely could have uh, spanned that. Over I, I think that the, the eighties version. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 We don't talk about the other one. <laughs> the other one's terrible. Um, but yeah, like, look, look, I remember being in school and looking out the window of my classroom and just what if, what if I saw a paratrooper drop right there? Just like red Dawn, what would I do? Uh, hopefully go all Patrick Swayze. You don't live in Colorado, which kind of stinks. I'm like, I would take to the plains, (laughs) (laughs) hide behind some grass. Say, yeah. And then get shot. Um, Plains. Yeah. Um, so that's my selection. I think all that dead grass, (laughs) I think red Dawn, a remake of red Dawn into like a streaming series would be awesome, but you got to make it like 80s style, make it like a return to the jingoistic cold war Mm. style 80s. Um, you know, this movie was, was so wonderfully cold war ish was came out around the same time as Rocky four. It's just perfect. It's perfect in and so many ways. It, it has a cult following. Oh yeah, I love this movie. So, I can't when this movie when I see this movie on, I can't stop watching it. So my f- top two movies both have cult followings. Okay, oh, that right. that uh, that I'm going with. But yeah, um, yeah, that's basically it. I just love this movie. I love everything about it. There's a weird line at the end, but I forgive it. But like, like there's the, the part at the end. So the whole climactic scene is uh, Jed, the brothers go back to the, the dad's already dead. He's been killed mm-hmm. and they go back to the town to basically just do a, a kamikaze run, blow some stuff up. And, and there it's like a suicide mission as one. Does. And, and when they tell, they tell the other two, there's two younger kids, teenagers with them. And they say, you guys got to run for the free zone. It's too late for us. We're all used up. And I'm like, what? You're like 20 and 22, respectively. What are you talking about? All used up. No, you know, just, it's right there. Like, Rick, but the movie ends with the two young ones, like, looking out over the, the end of the mountains into the plains of Kansas, uh, assumedly. Um, clearly, they did not know that Charlie Sheen runs on tiger's blood. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm I'm here for it. Justin, oh, what do you got? Um, okay, so I decided to go a route that I thought neither of you would go. Okay. Okay. Um, just for an added little uh, excitement here, um, I went with a rom com. Oh, whoa. Okay, okay yeah. I, right. I wasn't going to touch that. Well, so I mean, look, my, my eyebrows just went up. Yeah. Okay. Um, say, um, probably about the only rom com that I really ever got into or would watch, you know, multiple times. Uh, it's a it's a little movie called Fever Pitch. You guys oh, okay. Uh, all right. right. Uh, two thousand five. Say, in case in case anyone hasn't seen it, uh, when Ben Reitman, Jimmy Fallon, uh, and a, a who is a young teacher begins dating a pretty businesswoman, Lindsay Meeks, Drew Barrymore. So classic duo here: uh, Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore. The two don't seem to have a lot of the same interests, but they fall in love regardless. Their romance goes well. Until baseball season begins, and Lindsay soon realizes that Ben is completely obsessed with the Boston Red Sox. Though she tries to understand Ben's passionate team loyalty, eventually it threatens to end their otherwise happy relationship. Now, it, it, yeah, it's flesh, kind of flesh of out your idea because I have thoughts, but I want to hear your idea. So first. here's the deal: um, this movie spans uh, the championship year of the Boston Red Sox mm-hmm. when they just lost and lost and lost and they finally made it all the way to the world series and they win the world series they even actually filmed on the field during the world series for this movie Mm -hmm. and i totally see because like you get this sense that he's not just a fanatic he's literally obsessed and can let nothing else into his life having a season of baseball which is how many games 162 you could 100% turn this thing into a series that spans the season mm. and the trials here and there, the things that are going on with the, you know, the relationship and everything and ends beautifully with a world championship win. It it's pretty incredible. This, I actually like this movie. This is one of my faves. Like yeah. it's, it's a good movie and it's, I don't know. I just thought of that and I was like, yeah, Ooh. dude, you can easily stretch that. Yeah. Cody thoughts. Yeah, I, I agree that like if you go through like the course of a season and like prior to the season building up the relationship and then, oh, baseball season starts and then the struggles of being a Red Sox fan for 162 yeah. games oh, it starts off yeah. with any true baseball fans got to start in the spring training. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, oh, but we're now watching games in Arizona. Hardcore <laughs> baseball fans pay way too, notoriously way too much attention to spring training games. Yes. Yes. And like, oh, this guy's coming up through the farm system. I like right. the way you think, Justin. Say it because that would be unique. As I was thinking about, and this just will this will lead into my next one too. But I'll we'll let Cody go. Uh, but I do want to say I was thinking about shows that could capitalize on the Ted Lasso feeling. Oh, okay. Where the sports season is in the background, but a part of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're suggesting would be perfect. Yeah, like a t- like a fever pitch. It could be like. Ted Lasso style dramedy sitcom. Yeah. 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 Like dude. Yes. 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 Why haven't someone from Hollywood hired us already? You uh, guys that is are a perfect out. idea. This, this and, and is I'm, the resume. I was thinking <laughs> along. I was thinking along the same lines, but we get to my pick after to, to be pick. to be a little bit selfish. Something that may never work, but would be kind of fun. Uh, you know, just you know. The aftermath of uh, you know Shawshank Redemption, just life on Say Wataneo. 
I mean, I mean, that would be so boring. It's just going to be two guys like, you know, like rubbing a boat with like sandpaper with like hardcore PTSD. (laughs) Yes. So many, so many mental issues. Oh man. Okay. Okay. What's your pick Cody? So, Oh, let's refresh everyone. We're talking about one shot movies that would make, we think would make great streaming series. Okay. So, this movie, although there is technically a sequel, no one saw it. You wouldn't know there was a sequel. Donnie Darko. Oh, wow. Okay, so wow. I went off the res. Okay, yeah, this is deep. Okay, that so... Is but this cool is hardcore follow. geek cred stuff right here. Okay, so for those who are not in the know, Donnie Darko stars a one Jake Gyllenhaal and his real-life sister, Maggie Gyllenhaal, as mm. his sister. Drew Barrymore's in it. Patrick Swayze's even in it. This movie's so Seth Rogen's in it. So weird. (laughs) And uh, Jerry Trainer, the guy from iCarly, is also in it. So there's a lot of people that are in this movie. Quite a cast. Quite a cast. And uh, during the presidential election of 1988, a teenager named Donnie Darko sleepwalks out of his house one night and sees a giant demonic-looking rabbit named Frank who tells him the world will end in 28 days. When Donnie returns home, he finds that a jet engine has crashed into his bedroom. Is Donnie living in a parallel universe? Is he suffering from mental illness, or will the world really end? I think it is a perfect plot for a limited series. Does the series play it the same way the movie does? Just super weird. It has to. Okay. And... I really think that, yeah, limited series. Well, because I think there's a scenario where someone goes, let's make this the new Lost. I could see that, too. And that would be garbage. It Hot would. garbage. <laughs> um, or it could take a twist like WandaVision, where it feels like it's coming together, but you're not quite sure how. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you got to play it just like the movie does. Mm-hmm. And... Um, like, since it's over a month span that leads up to Halloween... You have like an eight episode arc and that's it. Like everything has to resolve within those eight episodes. So it's one and done. It's a one and done. Okay. It so like how seasons go these days. Um, yeah. I mean like midnight mass, yep. it, it would be yep. in that same vein of, okay, there's a twist at the end, bam. And you got what you got, which I, I'm not going to spoil it. If you had not seen Donnie dark, I'm it's intrigued. A good movie. I'm intrigued by that idea. I'm for it. Uh, but oh man, I'm so unprepared to even speak about it because that that's one you have to think on for a while. Yeah, that movie is so kind of bonkers. Oh, and it's been so long since I've seen it. So like, I asked my wife if we could watch it on Halloween, and she said no because I'm I'm in the vein of if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, Donnie Darko's a Halloween movie. Yeah, and she wouldn't let that happen. Uh, this is going to be news to all you pop culture pastor listeners. Uh, but Cody's wife like makes him watch all those terrible, like cheesy, uh, uh, small budget horror films. Yes. Like anything oh. you didn't, wouldn't recognize on a streaming network. She's been making you watch all those, all those. And then um, she put it on social media that she did that on purpose just to torture you. Yes. <laughs> I, I am not a horror. Um, and I, oh, his wife's any, huge, huge horror movie. Like fan. I've seen all the Freddy's, no. the Michaels, the Jasons. I mean, I've seen all of those because of uh, being married to Leah. So I can't. <laughs> thank you. 
<laughs> my beautiful wife. Um, I'm for that idea. I'm for that idea, but man, that would I'm I'm gonna need to think on it. You're right though. That's extreme cult following. Yeah. So that that's where my mind first went to. Um, my next pick for movie to be remade into a streaming series was the same way Justin was thinking. I thought, man, let's capitalize on Ted Lasso. Let's find another sport that the sport what's going on in the season can play in the background where we can tell human stories with the players and the people in the organization. And I'm going with the 1989 movie major league. Oh yeah. Where the new owner of the Cleveland Indians, former showgirl Rachel Phelps has a sweetheart deal to move the team to Miami, but to break the lease with the city of Cleveland ticket sales had to plummet. So Phelps hires the most incompetent players available. You'll recognize a lot of similarities to Ted Lasso. Uh, already. Yeah. <laughs> um, including near-blind pitcher Ricky Vaughn, injury-prone catcher Jake Taylor. <laughs> but her villainous tactics accidentally foster a can-do team spirit, turning the Indians into potential winners. I mean, this is the basic framework of Ted Lasso in, in a lot of ways. And so, like, to me, this one is a would be a no-brainer. Everyone would know what you're doing, but you could still make it really good. And like, you wouldn't even have to use the same characters. In fact, it probably doesn't even work to use the Cleveland Indians anymore because they've been good long enough. Yeah. Here and there. Like, I don't even know like what frame, maybe the Seattle Mariners would be a better work now because they've been, you know, they've had tough, they've had it tough for the longest amount of time. The Royals can't be the Royals because they won a world series in 2015. So it hasn't been long enough. It has to be like a fan base in despair. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And and so I think Major League would make a great series yeah. a la Ted Lasso where you're following human stories with the players and, and the team owner and the manager and all these people that could be involved in this story. S- very, very similar to Ted Lasso. Um, you could get the Blue Jays. Oh, the Blue Jays, yeah, that'd, yeah. that'd be good. You'd give it something different too. Little, I think <laughs> that's Canadian what, player. Listen, I think that's what kind of works about Ted Lasso is it's a for Americans. It has this like kind of charm about it because we don't really know. Most Americans aren't really in the know about soccer or what the rest of the football. world calls football. Yeah. So and, and like the British humor that comes across through it. And not a yeah. lot of Americans yeah. watch British TV shows unless you're like a Doctor Who fan. A lot of the humor is played for Americans yes. in that show. So like, you know, we laugh along as Mexican player Danny Rojas acts weird and gets the yips and because he killed a mascot dog and, <laughs> you know, with a penalty kick. And, you know, it's just it's just good stuff. So football yeah, is life. Major League is my pick. Market, dude. Justin, do you have another one? Um, there was one that I kind of thought about. Um, it's a it's a little bit of a series, but at the same time, it stands alone. Like its movies stand alone. It's not necessarily something that just flows from the last one. So it's not really like a trilogy or anything like that. But um, my favorite movies of all time are Mission Impossible. Like that really that series. Yeah, that series as a whole. Admittedly, I am a you know, I'm shamefaced. I am a rather big Tom Cruise fan in, in those movies. Yes. And yes, that was the last time Justin appeared on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. No, 
I honestly think uh, people, that uh, yeah. you could uh, you could go like the terrorist route, you know that kind of thing, and you could make a series, you know, somewhat similar to uh, what they had going with you know Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and just or or, or how about the what's the Tom Clancy one? Is it Jack Reacher? No, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, it's uh, the one with uh, Jim from the Office. Yeah, I was. Yeah, oh. what's the name of that? Um, now you're Shoot. going to make me yeah. look. I'm, I'm thinking it's, uh, I, you know, it's the same character yes. Alec Baldwin played and Harrison Ford played in the old movies. What's yeah. his name? Uh, I can't believe we can't think of his name. I know that. Yeah. You guys are, we are Jack Ryan. Jack yeah. Ryan. Yes. What a, what a, that would be a yeah. bland name. Uh, of, of course. You are aware, of course, Mission Impossible used to be a TV show. Correct. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm totally aware. But yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I've always been really intrigued with you know like the smashing gum together for a bomb or like the uh the masks with the voice changing and like i mean just things like that you know it's almost like a bit of a more serious get smart in a way mm. you know it's uh yeah it just feels like as long as you had a solid like terrorist situation or something like that it could play out very well yeah. and, and get stretched into a well, those yeah and and like the listen for hollywood purposes those are can't misses yeah. Those attract viewers. They're almost like, look, you got 24. You've got, uh, there's tons of TV shows um, that go down that avenue and they're all popular. People yeah. dig that stuff. So I, yeah, I think that would work. And, and yeah, Mission Impossible goes from TV show to movies back to TV show. Yeah. It can I'm here for it. Um, I mean, there's a lot of movies. You ain't getting Tom Cruise. That, no, you're not. <laughs> Um, that have gone the way of TV series like uh, Westworld was originally a movie. Yeah. And I, I would say it should have worked better as a TV show, but that was kind of a bonker show too. First two seasons. Yeah, it get, it's a little it, too bonkers. Um, let's see. Teen Wolf also does that. Teen Wolf series is awful. Don't watch it. Um, and then, no problem. Didn't bother. <laughs> what we do in the shadows was also a movie first that they have made into a TV series on okay. FX. So. I've never never watched that. Um, Taika is Taika Waititi is uh, was in the movie and he created the show. Oh, so okay, all right. Spoilers. It's a good pick. It's a good pick overall, Justin. I don't think it's as good as your first pick. Yeah, yeah, I like the first. Yeah, I like the first. But hey, that's just like at the Hollywood. If we're in the Hollywood meeting room, and you pitch that idea, that's a safe pitch. Yeah, just that is sell. a fastball. Okay, that's, that's I like a safe it. pitch. Uh, do you got another one, Cody? I do. Another cult He's following list, and so this one could be a longer series. Okay, um, this one is called 1988's The Big Lebowski. <laughs> Market dude, you said oh. it earlier, and I was like, I hope he's not going to say this. Um, okay, so Big Lebowski starring Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, Julianne Moore, John Turturro, Tara Reed, uh, rest in peace, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, yeah. but it, chocolate. this is about a man named Jeff the dude Lebowski who is mistaken for Jeffrey Lebowski, who is the big Lebowski. Which explains why he's roughed up and has his precious rug peed on in search of <laughs> uh, recompensation. The dude tracks down his namesake who offers him a job. His wife has been kidnapped and needs a reliable bag man, aided and hindered by his pals 
uh, Walter, a Vietnam vet, and Donnie, master of stupidity. That's as a, as a pastor, I cannot recommend this movie to anybody. <laughs> On a personal level, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> we will. Um, oh, it's such a great movie. So there's. Here, I'm going to tell you before you even get into this. The only thing I could think of as you were saying that this was your pick to turn into a series, um, the only thing I could think of was Marcus, the character of Marcus Brody from Indiana Jones, Last Crusade, and it, his quote, you're meddling with powers you cannot possibly <laughs> comprehend. <laughs> like, you are yes. on dangerous ground, my friend. Um, this is beloved. It is. Cult follows, yeah. followed stuff here. So where Justin was pitching a fastball. Is this a sequel? This, this can't be a remake. I can't. You cannot have anyone but Walter's, but but uh, Jeff Jim Goodman, John Goodman, John Goodman playing Walter Sochek. You cannot yeah, have uh, anyone but okay. Jeff so, Bridges like, playing the dude. I'm, I'm keeping the cast, but I'm, I I need Donnie to be alive for at least a season. So I need Steve Buscemi not to die yet. Okay. So we. I mean, he could come back in any way. They could have been. They could have taken him to the hospital, said it was a mix-up. They could have <laughs> died, but he was really alive. And so... Uh, Steve I, Buscemi barely looks alive. But this has to... <laughs> listen, this has to take place like 20 years later. It does. Because you can't mess with the, the actors. Like, it's got to be the same people. So, like, this needed to happen like 20 years ago. But it would have been perfect. Because, like, these characters deserve to have their own, like sub stories happening. I need to know more about Walter, about uh not rolling on Shabbos. I'm he- listen, I'm here for this. Big Lebowski is one of the weirdest pop culture uh phenomenons I think ever. In that even the even the uh the Cohen brothers who made the movie like they did not think when they were done with this movie, I, I, I'm pretty sure they didn't think they just knocked one out of the park. Yeah. Like it is so quotable. <laughs> if everybody, this was a movie that everybody was ready to forget about. The problem was nobody that saw it. Like I remember seeing this at Liberty hall in Lawrence, Kansas, which was like the artsy theater. Yeah. They, they showed all the independent movies, no expectations. I had no idea what the movie was about had no expectations and I laughed so much, but here's the thing about big Lebowski. Every repeat viewing, I found something I missed the yeah. all the previous times I'd watched it and laughed even more. Exactly. It's brilliant. It's, it's absolutely stinking a brilliant comedy movie where they curse a little, probably a little too much for um, my Christian brothers. And, and then you bring in, <laughs> Sam Elliott, who's like, I don't know why you got to oh. curse so much, dude. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're all still alive. You could make this show right now What's with Sam much? Elliott. Yeah. I mean, so Sam Elliott's character, that character actually made it into the TV series Fargo. I don't know if you're aware of that. I, I haven't watched the TV series Fargo. It's on my to watch. List. Yeah, so Fargo is a great series based on Coen Brothers material. And there's this weird, trippy, like dream sequence almost type of scene where someone walks into a bowling alley in North Dakota or something. And th- that guy's there. Sam Elliott's bowling character is there. Uh, and it was, it's just bonkers. Yeah. Okay. The stranger. I'm I'm for I'm for as. that movie. You got any good sarsaparilla? <laughs> <laughs> There's dirt dirt clouds on the horizon. <laughs> Beef. That's what's for dinner. Okay. <laughs> I'm for that 
with some very specific caveats. I mean, don't you dare remake it with, with different actors. Yeah. Don't do it. Can't do it. I'm just saying like it would be a phenomenal series, but yet it has the most potential for disaster. They ever remake or reboot that we riot. We do. Period. Yeah, it's, it sounds like there's a lot riding on that one. Expen- um, expensive uh, actors. Lots, yeah. lots of, lots of area we to wreck need people. Apple money for that. Yeah. Do you guys have any more that we can we can uh, speed round through? Uh, the only other one that I had was I think it'd be kind of fun to have a spinoff series of uh, Nacho Libre. Okay, oh, Nacho would okay. be good. Yeah, I'm ready um, for that. Okay, I'm going to go with a random bonkers off the wall one. Mean Girls. <laughs> mm. uh, same girls? Are we following them as adults or no? Just new, new, re- reboot. I think that you could have a couple of the girls as parents and follow their kids. Follow okay, their kids. The yeah, weird kinda... thing about this is, it's like it wouldn't fly now. It wouldn't, but it wouldn't yet everybody be uh... like anti bullying. We'd be canceling their families. But literally, high schools are quite a bit like this still. They are are they? They are. I work in them. I feel like I feel like the theme could almost be anti-bullying. Like <laughs> the whole scene. Like the school could have an anti-bullying theme, and yet there still is backstabbing and heartbreaking <laughs> and bus crashing action that Listen, can happen. The movie Mean Girls is basically just the teenage version of Desperate Housewives. Prove me wrong. I can't. <laughs> or Cougar Town. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I didn't watch that. Um, one. I'm just Something going about seeing Courtney Cox's very Botoxed face just makes that sad. I'm just going off what Abed said in Community. Okay. So, all right. Any more? That, Any that more was suggestions. It. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up with my last pick. Okay. And this one, listen, I'm I'm going in full disclosure. This one's emotional for me. Oh. Okay. And I know it's probably not the best pick given some of the other streaming material that's out there that would be awfully close to this kind of material. Oh, I feel like I know where you're going. I'm going to go. Well, hold on. I need to get the year right and everything because, man, I'm not shifting it. The 1985 film. Yes. Goonies. I knew it. Oh, yes. I knew it. (laughs) Steven Spielberg, Richard Donner, old-fashioned yarn about a band of adventurous kids who take on the might of a property-developing company which plans to destroy their home to build a country club. When the children discover an old pirate map in the attic, they follow it in an underground cavern in search of lost treasure but come come up against plenty of dangerous obstacles on the way. This movie made 124 million back in do 1985, which you, is a lot. In that 85? is, yeah, that's a lot of money back in 1985. Um, do you have the octopus in the series? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because if it's a series, you have more time. Sweet. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I would totally like. Okay, for years, the the real big fans of Goonies held out hope for a sequel. They're all old now, and they still talk about it sometimes. Like. We could do a sequel where the older ones are in it still, but then it would be their kids. Right? Yeah. I moved on from that. Okay. Here, here's what I want. Reboot it. Present day Astoria, Oregon. Update the story so it works in present day. Like, well, they're underground, so their cell phones don't work. Blah, blah, blah. Still works. Yeah. Um, I think with with all new kids, you could even you could even make them new characters. You wouldn't even have to use mouth data. In fact, you probably shouldn't use data. 
I know. He's beloved. Ki Hui Kwan, beloved actor who is also in um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah. But we can't be having Asians walking around. Asian kids going, no time for love, Dr. John. Like you just come on. <laughs> no yeah. one's gonna go we can't it. our culture Even your heart long. Our culture <laughs> now cannot handle that. No, yeah. it, it can't. We love Ki Hai Kwan though. We yes. do. And and he and is we welcome him. on the show. Oh, dude, if we could get Ki Hai Kwan on the show. Oh man, that would be so wonderful. Anyways, yeah, you probably can't do, but you should. Here's what I would I would say is have have an Asian American kid as one of the characters, but yeah. don't make him a racist caricature. <laughs> yes, please don't. Um, Listen, woke people, young people understand that we didn't think like the way you guys thought in, in the eighties yeah. and nobody did it. Listen, obviously Steven Spielberg and Richard Donner weren't sitting around going, how can we make the most racist character ever? <laughs> I mean, you know, Steven Spielberg's Jewish. He, yeah. He's not trying to like, you know, anyways, it's it. We understand now it was probably not a great character, but we loved him anyways. Um, he he was great. He comedic moments and heartfelt moments with that character. Yeah. So my uh, point is, is you could make them completely different characters, but remake the same story. Now here's the problem. The problem is, is it Stranger Things? In so many ways. Now Stranger Things actually makes it more dynamic because it's combining. 80s horror elements and sci-fi. sci-fi. Yeah. So I nearly suggested uh, making Super 8 into a TV series, but they already did that with Stranger Things. Yeah. It looks so, quite literally. Here, here's the way I think you can make Goonies interesting. The first season of the streaming series for Goonies, you tell the same story the movie told, but you stretch it out. You make it a much longer, you know, story. Over over multiple days, even like so, the movie happens over the course of basically one twenty four hour period. Um, but this one, you stretch it out, and it ends with them finding one eyed Willie's rich stuff. <laughs> the 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 Fratellis go away, and then the second season, you do a brand new adventure. And my my thinking is is like it would be Temple of Doom style darker. Like it would be yeah. some sort of darker venture. And then the third season, you come back with some resurgence of the one eyed Willie story. Now, some, someone who's smarter than I am, who's a writer would have to be the one uh, to do that. But that's my idea. That's I my idea cool for because I, I feel like that's, you know, with, with the stranger things, you know, and, and series like that going on right now, I would even say like with this new, like ghostbusters, movie that's coming out like i feel like that's something people are kind of craving yeah and i feel like yeah. it would work well and, and essentially they're doing that essentially with ghostbusters afterlife right is it's technically a sequel but it almost feels like a reboot because they're yeah. giving you brand new characters who just happen to be related to the older characters and then some of the older people are going to be in it now since this takes place in astoria oregon you could have cameos you could but it won't work to, for them to be the same characters because you're going to reboot it. I think you should reboot it. I'm okay with the soft reboot where you have like uh, maybe Mikey grown up with a kid that moves back home, like in the second season. Well, there's an untold story at the end of Goonies, by the way. Because that boat just starts floating out into the Pacific. It does. As if, as if everyone and their mom wasn't going to hop in their boats to go chase that thing down. 
Yeah. Like there's, there's a real story that plays out there where the American government is all over it. Um, <laughs> and that treasure is probably wherever the Ark of the Covenant is. Wait a minute. I, I'm a, I got a performance. This is an impromptu performance. Uh, we're out here at Pirate's Cove where we appear to be looking at a pirate ship. You like uh, that? Yes. That was actually spot on for, was it? for the, the newscaster at the end. Uh, love chunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love, listen, every time I stayed home sick from school, which was lots, I watched Goonies every time. I like your impersonation makes me wonder, is that the same guy that d- voices the DNA in uh, uh, Jurassic Park? Sloth? No, the, oh. the newscaster. Oh, no, I'm sure that newscaster, whoever played that guy was probably dead by the time Jurassic Park got filmed. <laughs> Jurassic Park was filmed in like 93. It's not that far from the 80s. I remember when they found those fossils. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. It's not like that dude who played the newscaster at the end of Goonies was rocking it. <laughs> Come on, man. It was just some random. I'm just saying it's some random voice, but everyone loves the way that the okay. DNA story right. says dinosaur. Okay. Name one actor in that movie who's not one of the kids. I got nothing. Um, yeah, you can't do it. Uh, the, the lady that was in uh, Throw Mama from Train. Okay, what was her name? Exactly. <laughs> and Sloth was a football player. And, I know that. And his name was? Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's John Matusak, but whatever. This yes. feels fruitless. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, this this episode should have ended a long time ago. We should have ended this episode. <laughs> Sorry, people. That's on me. All right, we'll get out of here. Thank you for listening uh, to Pop Culture Pastor. We're sorry. We this one's a little long again. <laughs> we went an hour and a half, but when you get you know, talking. You get talking. good times. Um, we'll see you next week. We're gonna go see Eternals. And uh, Justin, John, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks yes, for thank you. Guys. Hanging out. Next week, we're going to have uh, Jason Geeseman. Oh, we're, sweet. We're going to go see Eternals, and then we're going to get on here and record right after. Oh. So it's going to be fresh. Immediate. First impulse, first reactions. No kidding. No time. Just uh, first thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we'll that'll be next week's podcast. Uh, make sure and look for it on everywhere you get your podcast. Google. Uh, Apple, Apple. Spotify. Spotify. Anchor. Some people go on anchor. Not many, but some people got to get out of here. Yeah. Have a great week, everybody.